Hi there, Giel here. This is Can You Feel It episode 9 already of the first series. Because I think we have to coming back with a new series. If you would like us to come back, well, feel free to share which DJ or producer you would like to have here on this show. And thank you so much for sharing the content because a lot of people there are just starting with uh, Armin and Ferry and Don Diablo and Ledbeck Look Well, the whole series. Now it's time for a guy here. Uh, he lives in Amsterdam. He used to live in the east of Holland, then in The Hague, uh, in London. He's kind of like the Dutch founding father of Progressive House, Sander Kleineberg. He's talking about how he was on the loose, this, this complete new journey in brand new music. It was like a counterculture he's talking about, but suddenly it went commercial. And he made a, that's a really funny story, he made a Daft Punk sound alike and it completely tanked. Yeah, the DJ Live took his toll. Uh, he's talking about his classics, his remixes, and he still has some ambitious goals. Enjoy it. Sander Kleinenberg. Can you feel it? Feel it? Can you feel it? It's the music of millions of people all over the world. Electronic dance music. In Holland we call it house music. It was my history. It was my youth. These were my records. Who am I? I'm Giel Beelen, a Dutch radio DJ. And I want to share and explore my musical history with you, together with the biggest DJs. As you probably know, most of them come from Holland. Why is that? This little country in the west of Europe. And how did they all start? Can you feel it? The story of a Dutch DJ from the bedroom to the festival. Check this out. This is going to be a dance trip down memory lane. Uh, met Sander Kleinenberg. With Sander Klein, yeah, uh, you made this joke with your label. Like, what was it? Little Mountain. Yeah, Little, Little Mountain <laughs> Recordings. But but uh, I still I still get like people who go like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, like, of course. Oh, that's great, dude. And how? <laughs> uh, but how do they pronounce it? Like Kleinenberg. Yeah, they say Kleinenberg. Kleinenberg. Yeah. Okay. Depends where where you are. Uh, our native language is Dutch, but for this podcast, we'll speak English, or at least. I'll try. Um, but for our Dutch listeners, uh, do you still have some specific Dutch things? Food, for example, you always you 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 still want because well, of course, we are now here in Amsterdam, in your own studio, yeah. in your own uh, house, actually. But well, uh, you you you've seen the whole world. Is I, there I, like I, a specific I, Dutch thing? Well, sometimes a, a little zakje uh, drop. Zakje drop comes with us on the plane. Yeah, yeah, drop. Yeah, it. drop is that. And and people, when you go, when you try and make an American go and and taste specifically when it's like a double salted, like real, yeah, yeah, yeah. like they just go like guys. <laughs> apart from Black Pete, you're you're seriously deranged if you if you, if you think this is <laughs> yeah. this is nice exactly. Just, just is, imagine about you know yeah. thinking about like that little black, you know, salty. It's weird. Yeah, that's for us. Is, yeah, and for us, it's like no, that's normal. Just like Black Pete, it's like yeah, yeah well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! No, let's uh, not go there. No, but uh, <laughs> I was wondering that. Well, in the dance music, the drop is an whole other thing. The drop is another thing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But okay, and uh, let's start with the EDM, the earliest dance memory. So uh, you already were a DJ playing several kind of music i, I started I, yeah i started in 86 87 um oh that's this little cat sorry what's his name we, 
Oh wow! Okay, this is uh, this no, is this is, is This is the drop. No, <laughs> <laughs> this is Melkia. Oh, Melkia. He is uh, found uh, on the street oh, really? near a, a bar that was called Milk Snore. Oh, milk okay. Mustache. So we call. Well, <laughs> our youngest daughter called her Milk. Melkia. Okay. Um, so yeah. So yeah. No. So started uh, back in eighty six, eighty seven, and um, the DJ that uh, that left my school, my uh, high school, um, became a friend of mine. Because uh, I was interested in music, and then he, um, you know, moved on to a, a different school, and I, I had still two years to go. And he's like, "You should take over my job," because he was the, the high school DJ, the prom DJ. He DJed at all those okay. parties, yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know, that we threw once a year or twice a year at that at school. Yeah, where you get your first kiss and stuff. And uh, and it was kind of, it, it was cool because it, it it was um it was a job that not only entitled like DJing at the at the gig, but it was like buy the records. So the the school would give you like you know, wow. 20, 25 guilders and you would have to go and buy the hottest records. So you have to wow. be, yeah. And you had to be quite careful what you, what you yeah, would buy, yeah, yeah, you know, because they have to, have to stand the test of time. Yeah. And, and, and be in the collection for, you know, so it was, it was, it was a great job with lots of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me at that point. And, um, and then I moved on to becoming a DJ in a club. Um, on the brink of turning 16, I DJ at this, DJ at this club, which was like 15 kilometers on a bike outside my uh, my my uh, my house, my parents' house, and um, and that's how it kind of started. And that um, was in Delft, near Rotterdam. No, this was literally. I mean, I grew. I was born in Delft. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, grew up in Twente. Oh. Okay. And uh, the so the city I lived okay. was Almelo. All right. Uh, and the the little village I DJed at was called Frieseveen, which is um, yeah. Which which is which like I said which is which is uh, around the corner from uh, yeah from um, okay so you were playing uh, well what was played uh, in those yes, days yes exactly so I played yeah. like anything yeah you know, just top forty music yeah exactly and I would moderate I would talk to records you know I'd go like hey uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to bar sixty five uh, uh, Lisa Lisa heeft de verjaardag weet je wel gaan we een biertje drinken en verder leuke avond any request any request and I would play I would literally play like classics and you know it was like a yeah the village bar so it's like everybody would would come there between you know fifteen and 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 35 or, or even 45 and and you would have so the 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 idea was you have to entertain all those people uh so i would have like 10 minutes you know the, the the bar owner was like you can have 10 minutes of playing um uh, heavy metal yeah. you know and it could be like the last 15 minutes of the night you could play certain records like yeah. anthrax and some other wow. shit that they loved and then bef- you know so so it was Really, like, sort of please everybody. And, and so, then this, well, new kind of music came. I mean, house music it made its entry into uh, mostly through uh, there was sort of like a, a left-wing radio station. Not a left-wing, but it's a difficult thing to explain to to people who don't live in the Netherlands. But I think one of the uh, uh, fundaments of um, uh, of the success of of Dutch DJs. Uh, was its radio stations because we had uh, what's called uh, uh, every sort of signature that we have in society in terms of um, religion or in terms of political uh, the, the, uh, um, color yeah. uh, would have its own um, broadcast company uh, exactly yeah, yeah. and uh, and some of them uh, were quite sort of you know on the left side of things yeah. like on you know and and uh, uh, specifically uh, um, a, a company called VPRO. And they would have the Wednesday, and Wednesday Wednesdays was like a, I don't know, it was like a couple of DJs, probably 
from from around Amsterdam that would that would broadcast what they would think was the you know were the hottest records yeah. in the world at that particular moment. Yeah, and they would play anything from obscure, uh, weird sort of German um, uh, industrial music to uh, new beat from from Belgium, which was yeah. like this new sort of uh, electronic type type music. But they would also play punk records from London and yeah. they mix it all together. And that that was probably the first moment where where I heard electronic music played. And the first place where I heard electronic music played. Do you still know a song that you were listening like, oh, this is this is? Well, I think uh, there was a uh, one uh, record called Taste of Sugar. Taste of Sugar. Not really sure what the band was called, but it was a new beat record. Yeah, okay. And uh, that was played on uh, on that somewhere around '87. Uh, but you would also have, and there this was, was more a Belgium thing. It was I a Belgian guess. thing, yeah, 100% yeah. Belgian yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had no idea what the. the I just in, uh, enjoyed listening to it. And yeah. they would play Kraftwerk, and they would play okay. yeah. um, Tangerine Dream, and you know, some more sort of like obscure electronic, s- sort of pre-electronic, you yeah. know, bands, yeah, yeah. Uh, Depeche Mode, and and within that, uh, the mix of of what that Wednesday was. Uh, I think I think it was called Villa Achterwerk. Yeah. I think that was the yeah, the yeah. program's name, and his name is Ron Flonfon. So oh, it's, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the, yeah one of those guys. You yeah. probably you probably know them, or, or yeah. Um, but that mixed with what Ferry Maat did on on the Thursday, uh, which was he would broadcast on the Dutch radio, which was a different station, a bit more commercial. Yeah, uh, I think it was Tros. Yeah, uh, T R O S, which was a. Uh, yeah, a bit more right. I guess a bit more right wing, but he played club music from America uh, on Thursday nights, and he had done for a while. And it kind of sort of was in that phase between disco, R and B, and house music, and with producers like Teddy Riley, and uh, it was an incredible, an incredible time because mm-hmm. disco was kind of dead, but it was kind of morphed into this new thing, which is really exciting. Um, uh, Chef Pettibone, uh, uh, yeah. uh, some some really great producers, uh, and he would have at at eight thirty every Thursday night. He would have a thing where a Dutch DJ would come in and do a mini mix. So he'd do fifteen minutes or, or twenty minutes of a mix of the hottest club records in the world at that particular moment. The Bond van Doorstad. The Bond van Doorstad was the BVD, yeah. and it yeah. was just the BVD stood also for Binnenlandse Veiligheidsdienst. I mean, everything about it <laughs> oh, was yeah. just you know oh, everything yeah. about it was just <laughs> oh, wow. incredible. And I as a uh, you know, as a, as a young, enthusiastic, sort of curious uh, mm. dude, uh, would get all these messages from from the radio on f- Wednesdays and, 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 and Thursdays and then try and translate that into Fridays and obviously meet a lot of resistance because it's like when I played Taste of Sugar or played New Beat in yeah. that club for yeah. five minutes, yeah. you know, a couple, you know, I mean, it's like a rural area. So some of these let's say, you know, farm, you know, farm people yeah, that would yeah, come yeah. up to me and go like, dude, what is can this? you play UB40? Or yeah, because yeah, this is, yeah. this is not even wow. music, yeah. you know? So, um, not to say that I then felt like, oh yeah, I'm onto something, but it was, that was the kind of first yeah. sort of step into me morphing into who I am today. And that struggle of convincing people and going like, yeah, but you have to listen to this. Cause it's like, this is a new way of, 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 of getting a message across and it's brilliant. And, and, um, it's the start of a journey. Yeah. And, and, was there uh, in in that time? So in the east of, of the Netherlands, also a time when you thought, okay, now I'm going to do a whole set of this new. No, there was no, no way. No, no. I no, think no. the owner of that club gave me like yeah, at yeah, one point okay. fifteen so minutes. minutes. Okay. Yeah, and I had a, a real raver back in those days. Would wear Doc Martens and weird. Uh, uh, it kind of looked like a. It kind of looked like a punk looking back at it now, but it was like, yeah, you would wear Doc Martens, 
have a smiley t-shirt on yeah. and then i would have you know two or three accomplices on you know with me on that night and they would be around the dj booth and they'd like listen to the pop music that i had to play for 99 percent wow. of the time and they just waited for that one moment where that one record would be played and they could like act if they would be on in a rave for those 10 minutes yeah. and that's kind of like how how it started and you were still at school i guess uh, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah although when i started djing i i it, it wasn't very long after where i was like okay Yes. Was there a specific moment where you thought, okay, I'm going to be full-time DJ? Uh, that's a good question. I remember calling my dad, but now we're going fast forward okay, okay. Uh, like 15 years later. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, um, I had a record out in 96 that became a, a, an underground hit record or club record in uh, club hit in, in New York. And Strictly Rhythm uh, wanted to license yeah. it. And... And so I got a call from my um, record label and they were like, Strictly Rhythm wants to license this record. And I remembered going like, all right, okay, this, this is it. So I called my dad and I'm like, I think this is a career. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but let's... let's but that's, go, yeah, it's 15 let's, years yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let, let's take a, a small step to, um, yeah, to, to the moment you were becoming the guy who played house music all night long. I mean... Where, where was that? Well, so so... You know, I was 18, 19, and um, I was experimenting. You know, I was, you, you know, um, the, the, you know, the, I, I would smoke hashis and I, I, I would hang out with a, a sort of, um, a sort of like a group of people who try to sort of be live, you know, live outside of you know what what everybody expected you to be like mm -hmm. uh, in a in a normal situation. Yeah. And I experimented left and right with. Um, with drugs and uh i got i got inspired by you know this thing called ecstasy which back in 88 and 89 a bit later i guess around the you know yeah. the 90s was an incredible was, yeah. i mean it was like you know this just this this incredible journey uh that you just had to be a part of so i did for a while and then that kind of journey sort of made me go like yeah i'm not really interested anymore in pop music i i just want to be you know involved in this incredible yeah, journey yeah. that that this mixture of all these elements can create, to, you know, for people. And, and do you, do you uh, did you go to uh, uh, parties? And, yeah, no, or? I went to uh, yeah. actually. Yeah, I went to raves. I went to see Westbam in Germany. Okay, was like wow. a, one of the early DJs in yeah. uh, in in Germany. And I saw Sven Bath back in those th days, also in Germany. The the Almelo and Friesenfeld, the, the the villages I and the near city Germany, I grew up in yeah. are really near Germany. Yeah, so it was yeah, kind yeah. of the focus point for yeah. uh, for when you would go out and, and party. And um, it was like an, an emerging thing, you know, um, and uh, I fell in love with, with that culture. I fell in love with, with everything about it. And I fell in love with and taking my DJ uh, heritage with me into that culture and understanding that, you know, you, you could mix those things together. Um, and I dropped out of everything. Like I didn't have any regular DJ jobs anymore because I no. was too sort of, you know, I was just too involved with, with dance music. But then again, yeah. in my sort of the place where I grew up, no one was interested in Okay. You know, a DJ that didn't, you know, moderate the records or no. or or play something else than than just dance music. It was a really alien phenomenon, obscure uh, thing. Yeah, 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 okay. And 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 when came, uh, what was the moment you thought, okay, maybe I'm going to try to make it? Well, in in so I started producing music or at least be involved in 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 the production process. I was sort of part of a clique of people yeah. that that, uh, that that I grew up with. 
um, that that were all in some form interested. Like one was a promoter, and one was a drug dealer, and one was a <laughs> you know what I mean. It's yeah, like yeah, and the yeah. other one was a, a fellow DJ, yeah. and and then and someone and then someone else was more involved in in, in the production side of things. And yeah. then we we all knew, you know, like a like a like a. Um, 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 it's it's it, in Dutch it's called a wijkcentrum, which is, means like a, a community center yeah. that that we would all hang out in, and that that you know there would okay. be one local community center employee that that was interested in 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 recording music, and you know he had a mixing desk, and so slowly and but surely I got I got introduced to all these different elements, and then I remember um, there was a, a a producer from Rotterdam called Ricky the Dragon, and he would come with his MPC in the back of his car, and he had to flee Rotterdam I, I think there was probably something why he had to ended up in Almelo oh, okay. but he was there yeah, probably yeah, yeah. to hide from from something or yeah. whatever and and um I remember vividly he had an MPC 60 uh you know which which you could compose records and and had multi-track uh, media yeah. possibilities and um I remember I was like oh and he was like do you want to learn I was like yeah yeah you wanna? he's like well first you're gonna clean my car so he gave me a real oh, sort shit. of yeah he gave me the real sort of like old school sort of like oh you want to go somewhere well then first you gotta you know, do me something. And then I would have one hour on his MPC and sort of slowly get my way around it. He'd show me some tricks, you know, and, and sort of made me sort of be able to look wow. into his kitchen. So what was, because I know you know, one of your first releases was with a, with a group of guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so, so then I ended up, we, we, we ended up making some records. We ended up traveling. We ended up in Antwerp and we ended up in Hamburg and uh, hung out with just hang out in studios. No, and I mean, things. yeah, hang out in studios, oh, and, but and, also and uh, go to parties. And th there was a club in Antwerp called um, Café d'Enfer, which yeah. was like yeah, an incredible. Wow. And there was You've been there. Wow. Yeah, Cooney and uh, Steve Cox, I believe, believe his name was, and there was a, a record store there called USA Import, where you would buy the hottest records in the world. And so there was this whole just yeah. just this this scene. environment, this yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. and and it obviously was 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 super small and very underground. Um, and I ended up releasing a record on Wonka Re Wonka Beats, which was like, I mean, that was just like a dream. Like, a, was that know. the first one on Wonka? Yeah, it was the first. My first, wow. my first ever record was released on on Wonka. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I had a release on Superstition in Hamburg. Which was also like a super legendary but, uh, but, but label. But you, yeah. you're going a bit fast now because you made the track with with some friends, yeah, and then you sent it yeah. to a label, and, yeah. and the scene was so small. It was like, okay, we're going to release it. And I mean, I guess I guess they liked yeah. what they heard, you yeah, know, of course. or at least they thought it was <laughs> decent enough to get to to have a release. Yeah. yeah, maybe they enjoyed the energy that we brought in, or it, they weren't. They, they didn't end up specifically becoming you know big records. They were okay, you know. Uh, um, but they, yeah, I guess they felt like yeah, they should be, you know, this, there's a room, there's a room for this. So so they gave us, they gave us at that point uh, a, a little platform and a little sort of like hey, you know, here here's a here's a little ticket. And what was the scene like uh, during that time in the Netherlands, in in in, in the whole world? I don't know where you. I mean, well, to to me, I mean, I obviously only knew. I mean, this is pre-internet, like yeah. years pre-internet. Yeah. So, I mean, even calling Antwerp, I remember my dad was go like, "Dude, you have like we have a seven hundred guilder uh, phone bill. Like, how is this possible?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, maybe it's because <laughs> I was calling my friends in oh, in wow. Germany and in and in and in Belgium, yeah, to make a deal or to talk about something or yeah, to, yeah. to help each other, you know, A and R a record or whatever. It was yeah. it was quite, yeah, it was 
yeah, it was crazy times. It was like, you know, riggedy cars and, and kind of like a, yeah, like a counterculture type of yeah, thing yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. I was literally on the, you know, on the loose. I was, yeah, it's a certain type of freedom. So, so that's, that what it was and everything that connected this was, was the music, yeah. you know, and the experience and, and, uh, what, what a, what a club could bring you and what that journey could bring you and got to understand this is like brand new, like did a, yeah. It hadn't happened before, so no. it was, it was, you know. So and and well, now we're going to the moment that uh, the strictly rhythm release was there. Yeah, so I ended up uh, living in The Hague, um, and um, uh, started. You were like studying then, or was it no, just no? It's just music kind of yeah, sort of brought okay. me there, and I had these releases, okay. and it was kind of like a slowly sort of like, hey, this is maybe something, and then I got a few gigs, and then slowly, slowly, and I was like, well, maybe Omelo is not really the best no, place okay. to be, so I made a move and. Yeah. Ended up in The Hague. What was, uh, uh, what was The Hague like? Was it with Exposure? And I don't yeah, know. it was Exposure, yeah. which was a, 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 a legendary club. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, truly important in the, in the foundations of, of, uh, of Dutch uh, dance music, I believe. And, yeah. and then The Hague was always um, a really interesting scene because um, Amsterdam was always very quickly a little bit more glamorous and a little bit more uh, outgoing. And uh, it had obviously a really flamboyant gay scene, which was, yeah. you know, for, the, for DJ culture... Uh, immediately also quite an outlet to be to be a part of but also kind of restricting because it kind of sort of directed you into a certain direction because they would you know the gays like to have some sort of flamboyant yeah, music yeah, yeah. as well you yeah. know directing them and, and helping them um and then the hague um was a bit more i guess a bit more techno and a bit more industrial uh, a little bit of. more industrial yeah. like rotterdam rotterdam yeah. was obviously way more yeah, industrial yeah, yeah. and you could hear it in, in the music like 100 like Absolutely. dimitri from yeah. from amsterdam would be like quite soulful yeah. and and uh with with vocals and then speedy j yeah. in rotterdam yeah. would be like you know yeah. dark and sparse yeah. and, and and uh industrial yeah. so i started being involved with the label the label started releasing my my, my records I ended up being a duo with a DJ from from the Hague called Steph Froelijk, and we had a uh, project called SNS. And yeah. in '96, we released "You Do Me Wrong," and it was my first, you know, hit record. Yeah. So it's the first one that traveled around the world, and I didn't know back then. A because lot. that's that's how it worked. Then other labels re-released it. Yeah, it, it was all territorial because yeah. obviously pressing up a vinyl yeah. is quite costly and then shipping it all the way around the world creates like a, an increase because shipping costs are involved and back then it was even more than it is now and so an import record would be yeah. 25 US dollars mm -hmm. for instance and then if you would have a home record that was pressed at home it was 17 dollars so the difference was enough for labels to go like hey you know what I'll pick up this record yeah. I'll pay the difference I press it for you. and I'll press it for you yeah, yeah. I'll stick it on my label. Yeah, I never thought about it, but it, that was really nice because you had a lot of records on several labels. Oh, on what label you have it? Oh, no, I have it like on the first exactly. label, yeah. uh, the import. And, yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and as a matter of fact, like Eric Murillo back then as Real to Real made remixes of this particular record. Okay. And I remember back then I had Eric Murillo on the phone, which was kind of like a, a weird thing because Eric Murillo back then was already... Eric, like a, like yeah. a big name yeah, because yeah, of yeah. real to real, yeah. uh, and he had just had that hit record. Like he had a lot of other it. really great projects on strictly with him. So that's early nineties then. So it's mid yeah ninety six. Yeah, yeah ninety six. Yeah, yeah. So having Aaron Marilla on the yeah. phone, and I was like, oh my god, this little Sander from Almelo, you know, and he's yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's on the phone with this godlike figure, you know, this this like you know, and uh, 
So all of a sudden, like I saw myself moving closer to that what at once inspired me so much. You know, those little beams of radio that got to me and inspired me of who I wanted to be and who I ended up being. Yeah. We're slowly, be, you know, becoming closer and cl closer to my own reality. And I started beaming back, I guess, you know. And then it was like producing and DJing. Uh, I mean, it was, 50 -50. this this particular record was like a good stepping stone into into the next phase. I um I remember I got really inspired by what happened to the whole whole scene around that time because uh, bands like Underworld, uh, Daft Punk, uh, Fluke, Chemical Brothers, they all yep. came th through the ranks at the, in the late nineties mm -hmm. and. And it was so inspiring, specifically when Daft Punk broke through, it was like, oh my God. I mean, I had already seen and envisioned, you know, that the DJ could be, and this scene could be something special, uh, but it was still sort of, it was still a counterculture and it was still underground to, yeah. to, to a certain extent. And then all of a sudden Daft Punk was like, well, but we can actually also make it fashion. We can make it overground. We can, we can, yeah. we can have, we can take over the world. And and then you know forward you know late 90s i wanted to be a part of that so i did a really ambitious album on a french label that completely tanked uh -huh. and it really like under sonic landenberg yeah yeah under my own name and it was actually the first time i started producing under my own name okay and it was really like i had done it with with uh you know with steph and with yeah. other people and i'd always sort of be in a sort of like a kongzi with you know like so it was like, like a kind of filtered disco uh yeah it was kind of like a filtered disco but it but it wanted to be everything it wanted to be sort of like and and the chemical brothers and uh daft punk and left field is it and still online can i find it yeah you can, oh, find, you okay. can find it online okay yeah. so so what <laughs> do you still remember a track yeah of course you do yeah no absolutely yeah no it's, uh, it was a record called penzo positivo <laughs> I remember working in Paris back then was incredible because hanging out with uh, Ludovic Navarre and mm. like um, a lot of people from the French scene who were really, really yeah. strong at that yeah. particular moment was very learning, learning for Jacques Lecon, you Yeah, had. Jacques Lecon. And yeah. I remember uh, hanging out with Daft Punk and, and Armand van Helden at the oh, Rex Club. And it was yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. wow. And I remember the A&R that, that was, became one of my great friends was in the bidding war to sign... Daft Punk, uh, and so it was. It was to be nice. so close yeah. to something so yeah. incredible was very, very great. Uh, but my album completely like it bombed. Like it didn't do nothing. Oh. And I kind of sort of came back to the Netherlands, going like, you know, I kind of sort of ruined my opportunity. Yeah. I, I had invested like a lot of time and effort into becoming uh, somebody that I wanted to be. Yeah. And I came back to The Hague. Kind of with a, with an illusion, you know. Oh. I wanted to say with an illusion poorer, but yeah, that's no, really no, no, bad no, but translation. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's I was I was yeah okay. I, I I had uh, uh, yeah I kind of sort of like I went out there and lived in Paris for a while, yeah. and recorded that yeah, album, yeah, yeah, okay. uh, signed big deals, had like dinners with the the director of Polygram yeah, okay. France and yeah. stuff like that, and then I came back to the Netherlands and. Um, so you went back to the Hague, yeah, and then felt I made, a little depressed, yeah, and then and then I made my lexicon. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. that was what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, then, no, it's, then uh, you yeah. made up like you 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 came up with actually a new style because the whole, uh, yeah, the, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the whole uh, term progressive house didn't exist. 
No, yeah, no, Progressive House, surely. Uh, oh, just, okay. Yeah, I really want to say no, it didn't. I made oh, it up. Yeah, no. I thought that, that <laughs> no. in, my, in my head it was. No, like no, that, it was actually, it was funny because uh, some, that's obviously that record is seen as a, you know, one of the pillars of what Progressive House ended yeah. up becoming. And yeah. for sure, Progressive House became, you know, the dominant form of dance music and, and, it, and it created the biggest stars in dance music at that particular moment in time. But it mm -hmm. was, I mean, it, for a long time it was already kind of happening. I think. Um, the mixture of of, of uh, time and place and stars and um, the the traveling aspect of DJs, the the rise of global underground as yeah. a, as, a, as a platform, yeah. and that all sort of helped into catapulting this into becoming you know the dominant the dominant form of 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 of, of dance music at that particular moment in time. And so when I made my lexicon, um, I was never really aware of the fact that it you know it it would become you know that sort of like stable of or or no. or or fundament of a new of a new sound like i mean and even today like not, people no. would send me messages i would never have expected that but it was a very exciting record to 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 be working on i remember finishing it uh yorn from spinning records one, one of the biggest a &Rs yeah. in, in the netherlands right now maybe even one of the biggest a in, in, in dance music yeah um was an intern at the label uh that i made it and he was the first one uh, at nine in the morning opening opening up the the doors of the of the office yeah and it was like four studios there and one of those studios uh, was my was mine uh, and he, i i um he was like are you, are you already here and i'm like no i'm still here but you have to because <laughs> i'd worked all night on it yeah. and i think you have to sit here and listen to this record so. Yeah, no, it was very, very exciting. And he still noticed it, like, while well, this is... Yeah, no, yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, this is oh, incredible. Great. And then, and then, but you know what? I think success is, is always has um, uh, many causes. Like, there's, no, not, there's never really one no. thing that you no, can point out and go like, oh, yeah, that's because of this. It was a mixture of, of time and place, the people that I knew, uh, the people I, at that particular moment, also hung out with. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I hung out with Sasha quite, quite yeah. a lot back then. It's back, kind back of a then. Sasha track. It totally is. Yeah. He put it on his on his uh, Global Underground, yeah, uh, yeah. and he put another record of me on on Global Underground called Sacred. And then I was like, okay. And then I created it into a, a four track EP. And yeah. so it's you know everything was kind of sort of like yeah, it was it was the right time and, and the right place to come up with with that record. And and I, I can only look back and be very excited yeah. uh, of what it was. It, it's also I'm not gonna lie, like for a long time I I was really. Uh, so, something that sort of pushes you so high can be can be kind of a burden as well. And of course, like, because you want to make uh, my lexicon too. Well, yeah, either that or you want to move away and sort of, you know, and <laughs> yeah, just yeah. be somebody else because yeah. you're. I think deep, and that's the whole struggle that you always have as a as a producer or, or as a DJ. I, as a DJ, I want to evolve and play what I think is fresh and new yeah. and forward thinking and pushes this whole thing forward. And then as a producer, sometimes you make something that captures time so well that it sticks with you forever, but it kind of fights with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the fact of because being what, growing. what is being a yeah, DJ yeah. all about. Yeah, so, so, but lately I've been listening to it and uh, my wife as well, she's comes and goes, dude, that, that's actually a really good record. And I'm like, it's, it's okay, classic, okay, man. it's a good record. Yeah. No, and it, so it's not a bad record. But, but on top still... of it all, it's also not a bad record. It's like, it's, pr it's, pretty, it's pretty decent. Yeah. What uh, can you still remember of that time? Because, uh, well, the, my, lexicon, my lexicon became a big hit. Uh, you became like, I think, 
Was that the first uh, whole uh, DJ Mac list? Uh, yeah, then? absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, two years later, also and because of the dominant sound, you have to remember like DJ Mac lists are consists of five DJs that you can choose from. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, oh, Sasha's number one. Well, who's Sasha's, you know, biggest, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, who's, <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, we'll put Sander on too. Yeah. No, not, not, they never probably heard me, but they, you know, they was just like, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same now. It's like, yeah. oh, I love David Guetta. Oh, yeah. well, put Afrojack on, you yeah, know, yeah, or, or yeah, the other yeah. way around. Or, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, that's, the so, dominant sound always delivers the most, the so, most DJs. Well, uh, yeah. Because of that. Mention some, some, some places what were, yeah, you you went to Ibiza for the first time again, imagine. I mean, the whole thing just exploded. It was yeah. literally from like as if the light was was turned on, and and um, America, uh, London, um, DJ agencies uh, signed me up. Uh, the scene exploded yeah. under the wing of that sound. Yeah. It became an international phenomenon. You know, I was the first DJ to DJ in Jakarta and uh, in Pakistan and just just wow. the, the weirdest places where I would, yeah. you know, would go as a, you know literally as a pioneer. You would you would Absolutely, end up yeah. bringing your records and and so yeah, kind of everything started from from press to uh, the recognition and Radio One um, gave me a, BBC, uh, yeah. yeah gave me a few awards for for their uh, for for you know essential mix of the year yeah. and. So this whole thing just, yeah. Just, just but it wasn't that that well organized and as big as it is nowadays. No. So true. can you still remember like a gig where you played and, and uh, well, things went wrong in, the, in, the, in a funny way. If you look back now, do you think, oh my God. Uh, the, the, yeah. No, yeah, of course not. There's many gigs where I would be in a car for three hours in the jungle of Colombia. Okay. And it, you get there, and it'll be like, well, actually, the, the you know the the, 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 the military just oh, raided the really? whole place, and they say, oh yeah, God. yeah, and it's like, yeah, and actually, wow. the, the party was thrown by uh, by so and so and such, and he's now uh, arrested and <gasps> never to be seen again, or uh, DJing in Beirut and 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 hearing a bomb go off and oh and, and uh, have have uh, the start of some some really ba bad times actually in, in in the Middle East and wow. the, or in Juarez in in Mexico where you you would hear uh, gunshots but also obviously the greatest yeah. uh, you know now I'm <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> all war no, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't no. all war and, and disaster <laughs> but just this, the scale of it was yeah it was and the the, the leap you know so to yeah. speak for me was incredible and to be honest it it took quite a toll on me emotionally I can and imagine. and um and being the first and being like a guinea pig of w what it meant to live in four time zones in a month mm -hmm. i don't think apart from maybe some pilots and and maybe some politicians there, there weren't this is 20 years ago i don't think there were a lot of people who no. lived that lifestyle and um the world wasn't really connected as it is today you know the I couldn't just that call your your no, mom would be no, like no, no. Ha, you know a fortune Too or expensive. you know yeah, yeah expensive yeah. or yeah. cell phones didn't really particularly work everywhere it was it was quite it's quite the journey and quite the the road to but pay, if you, you say know? it uh, like this there was a moment when it almost went wrong or no absolutely yeah, yeah no yeah no absolutely I okay. I uh yeah no I had a hard time uh emotionally and and psychologically to deal with the repercussions i remember the internet obviously also blew up mm -hmm. in the same sort of era so message boards and uh, the notion of, of fans or people who follow you the sort of direct interaction yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So that was had, quite new yeah, it was yeah. totally new yeah, and yeah, like yeah. i had no defense system to no. someone from no. toronto saying yeah dude you suck you oh, know you yeah. you were really great two years ago but now you suck it's like whoa i'm just you know trying to I'm just a dude who trying to do, you know, it's like, it was yeah. really, uh, it was 
yeah, it was quite, you know, and, and apart from that, I made like more money than I'd ever yeah. <laughs> dreamed of making. Yeah. And, and that came with, uh, you know, lots of responsibilities that I also was never really, had never really anticipated to deal with. No. Uh, I was just chasing a dream. And, yeah. I, and I, then suddenly you became Yeah. And then all of a sudden and, uh, it's like this mad, mad, yeah, mad yeah. ride, you know? And, and, um, yeah, what you stayed here in Holland still in The Hague, or you? I, yeah, I ended up moving to London for uh, oh, yeah. uh, a good, a good couple of years, like a year and a half, and um, um, which was great. But it, I kind of missed my my studio. I uh, was kind of depressed living there because I didn't have a lot of friends, and uh, yeah, that didn't really feel that well, I guess. Although, what I do. V- have great and fun memories of is, is touring in the UK because that was that was a, a lot of fun like the the UK has has a great music scene yeah, and, yeah. and going from Newcastle to Liverpool to Manchester yeah. to, to just everywhere was 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 really a treat um but musically I mean I, it, you have to imagine like like I just had men- mentioned the the studios were meaty um I was really used to that studio that I that I made those records yeah. in, and then all of a sudden I was on on an airplane. I, you couldn't bring <laughs> a MIDI studio on an airplane, not, you know. No. And 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 laptops were like you know twenty oh, minutes, yeah. and then your battery was dead, yeah. you know. And and yeah. they couldn't do no. you know a, a percentage of what what you can do nowadays. So no. being on the road kind of also meant that that um, creatively you would be in a standstill because you couldn't kind of sort of keep evolving uh, so it was like or you were producing or you were like well for instance yeah Yeah, yeah, some some of my colleagues were like you know what i'll just use a producer at home uh, to continue working when when i'm when i'm on the road and i was like you can't do that that's cheating you can't like have a what what you have a producer at home okay who works when you but that's not you then that's then someone else somebody else you know so it kind of sort of those things that are now like normal and mm-hmm. understandably so like yeah of course you're going to work with a producer or with an yeah. engineer or somebody who helps you mm-hmm. um, progress that process that into back then i mean i remember the first djs with tour managers i mean me and like all my colleagues and we were like top 20 dj men yeah. we we're like the fucking yeah. biggest djs in the world and we, we, would, we a- would look at a few of those djs and go like you heard that dude he has a tour manager like honestly, how sad must you be to have a tour manager <laughs> carrying what to carry your records around? This is the saddest thing ever. You can carry your own records, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of like the attitude that we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then obviously now the whole so the way that it all professionalized and the way that it morphed into today um, started then. And obviously that's the way to keep a brand in the air, you know. Mm. And that's the way to keep things going. Yeah. And and so this whole struggle, this whole identity, this whole sort of um being pulled between sort of what it takes to be um um an international brand with recognition um and also be ha- having sort of the um, the kind of sort of peer um acceptance or even the peers um um sort of the, you know the sort of idea that you're still cool I don't, I don't know how to explain that but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of balance between what the pressure. What, yeah the pressure of, yeah. of what all these elements want uh, were very very uh, strong and it and kind of sort of pulled uh, the scene in two parts and one of them really learned how to adapt with that and 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 changed and morphed it into uh, what it became but a lot of people were were, were totally stuck and yeah. they're like okay well we don't know how to adjust we we can't give up our principles 
you know, we can't give up our our cool, so to speak, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to 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 stay relevant in that journey. Hmm. Um, and uh, but I mean, Never everybody found yeah, everybody yeah. found their place. And then but and then the the most interesting thing is during all of this, there was another revolution going on, which was the digital revolution. Hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like producers started making music with just just a just a a laptop. Yeah. And and it's just just like you can't have emotion from a laptop. Like you have to have the machines, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the machines, yeah, yeah. man. You know, just like what the drummers told us. Like yeah. you can't have emotion in in the in the in the samples. We were like, but you can't have emotion if you don't tweak the machines. You know, it has to be some sort of like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so so that sort of whole cycle sort of re- repeated itself. And I think I think digital the the way from a, from a from a sound technician point of view the, the way that you produce within a digital environment is definitely different from uh, um, producing in, a, in an analog or, or yeah. a midi analog environment yeah. you it's almost like as a painter in an analog environment you there's somewhat more freedom and you can kind of get away with a few things and in the digital environment it's just a lot more mathematics yeah it's it's less freestyle it's, yeah. it's more yeah. sort of you have to be structured yeah. and you have to be clean um, and yeah then, yeah, yeah. There's no no wonder that people like Dead Mouse and the nerdy nerdier type sort of dudes became like these like superstars, you know, because it was like that approach, that sort of real um, yeah, like almost like mathematician yeah, yeah. Uh, approach yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was really was what, what was needed. And and remember, you know, Sasha was like a bona fide pop star. He was a rock star. You know, yeah. he was like doing loads of drugs, and he was like yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like a fucking guy, he was like yeah. a god. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's how he was seen. And then yeah, so. Um, I don't know what you know because you made that uh, track. So the fruit is like, is that with a lot of analog stuff or is it like digital only? Because um, it, so- it sounds, of course, but that's house music. It sounds real digital. Yeah, well, funny enough. So so I ended up uh, working with a, a, a bunch of producers to to maintain that sort of identity. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I moved away uh, from being in control of my own destiny because i had to hire other people to 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 maintain that that type of quality okay and not only the type of quality but also the um the the output just just generally like the 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 time and the the, because you were touring because it was just touring uh, and it's like there was no way i could do all things no um and i I would end end up being in the, the the studio with them, you know, till like four in the morning, five in the morning. But that could be a th- from Tuesday to, to Thursday. Yeah. And then on Friday, I'd be on a plane again, going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then they would continue to work, or yeah, I would yeah. hope that they continue to work. But it would, that that was. So the fruit was a process with a lot of guys. That's what the, you're so saying. So the fruit was a process with with uh, the guys behind LSDJ and the oh. guys who ended up becoming Dash Berlin. Oh. And uh, and. I, it was really it, it, the timing was perfect because they had done LSDJ and they uh, their approach was a bit more commercial yeah, and a bit yeah, more yeah. sort of um, formulaic. Uh, and I wanted always wanted to do to do that type of music, but I ha- had never really had the structure. No. And they ha- they were very structured. Yeah, they they were you know you know they'd be like okay it's nine o'clock let's go to the studio yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and i was just like it's 12 o'clock i had to be at the studio at nine <laughs> you know that was more that's more my sort of yeah, approach yeah, yeah, yeah. but us together was magic you know and the fruit i think i always wanted to make um a record with a with a rave sound with a gabber mm-hmm. a, a dutch sort of rave sound but i wanted to make it funky i wanted to make something that uh 
so I, I, you know, I brought in. I just, I guess, I brought in all the all the juice and all the the flavors. Yeah. And, and the, the you know the John Fugler, who's the singer of Fluke, and and brought him in for the yeah. vocal and. Uh, and that they were just structured enough to to give yeah. it the, the the direction that it ended up yeah. becoming. And I'm then you were ready to track. You said no, a bit more of that high sound. And yeah. The, yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. No, yeah. and, I mean, and and obviously musically, I mean, I can play. I can you know can do anything yeah. uh, that I want. But in that digital environment, they were just they were more organized. They were more they were more structured. Yeah. And uh, that resulted in that record. But you have to imagine if you make my lexicon, and then four years later or three years later, you release the fruit. There's a lot of people who are going to go like, okay, dude, like what happened? Yeah. Like you were this like melodic god, you yeah. know, making these like epic yeah. trance records. Yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, like we mentioned, a, f a founding father in yeah. progressive and, and, house and music. Now, yeah, exactly. And then, and then it was more like, well, do you call it electro? I think so. I think it was, I mean, it, for me, um, you see, to me, I mean, it's, I mean, and, and I don't want to say this in an arrogant type of way, but my lexicon was something that sort of morphed from um something that already existed like there yeah. were records around that already sort like of touched and, and directed yeah. and yeah. yeah and had some sort of so it was like in, it was an inspired record yeah. by a scene and by a direction yeah. but the fruit was truly i believe fresh I think it was a it morphed just so many things together, and it brought so many things together. And not only the UK and and the Netherlands, but also uh, Gabba with 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 uh, Mass at Work. It was it was just it's a record I'm extremely proud of. Yeah, because it it, it was so it was just so. F I mean, it was but so it's a fresh. Ti it's, it's you, know? a, you you can still play it. It's like timeless. Yeah, and and uh, I know what you say because my lexicon is a classic. And in a sort of way, of course, classics are always timeless. But it's it's really like the sound of that moment. Yeah. Uh, and and I know you might, yeah, there were some remixes later on, and, yeah. and uh, the song is great. Yeah. But yeah, the fruit is uh, yeah. No, and I remember Pete Tong playing it for like 18 weeks straight on Radio One was the fruit. really yeah. yeah yeah, and that was really something. I really felt like okay, I have really hit something um, really exciting. Yeah. But then, but then I got you know carried away and like you know touring again and picking up paychecks yeah. and da 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 and then yeah it's just uh, 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 got yeah maybe yeah. I should have stuck to that for a bit longer I I should have should have done an album or something more with that so, sound yeah with that yeah, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I probably should have yeah but um I oh. did this is Miami not too yeah. too too long after that and that did well it was never intended to, to be released it was literally a record i wanted to play at ultra miami and that was oh, uh, that was that's, uh, yeah, that yeah. was what that record was about and it was kind of like yeah i'm not really sure if this is i i kind of knew that that record was really a sort of goodbye to you know underground yeah yeah, yeah. accepted sort yeah. of culturally relevant you know this <laughs> is like truly like this is like a parody record almost this is not Uh, and I was I was really happy with it because because it made so many people so extremely happy back then. Yeah. Uh, Pre-internet again, you know, the numbers at the moment don't really reflect what that record did at that particular moment because it was a fucking big, yeah, it was a yeah, big, yeah. big tune. And um, um, and I and and to be honest, really, like I got lost like at that sort of 2007, 2008. 
I still had a lot of success in, in America. Uh, but by the time come 2010, my identity was like, I got so much sort of backlash on of people that sort of went like, yeah, well, he used to be amazing, but now mm-hmm. he's like, mm, you know, which is yeah, understandably yeah. so. I like, I don't, I have no hate towards that, but I was just like, honestly, on a journey, trying to sort of find who I am while everybody was watching, you know, and that's like, and there was, and the innocence kind of sort of like, yeah, it kind of hurt me. Yeah, I can imagine. Like my girlfriend is um, quite famous in, in, in social media and uh, she she's 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 going it's funny how the parallels are because social media is obviously coming through now in the last three years you know influencers have become like the yeah. new djs and yeah, it's like you yeah, know yeah. they've become this oh, whole well, and it's yeah. kind of funny yeah. how a lot of the same sort of uh, moments repeat itself like how the world sees these people uh, how they react to that uh, how they deal with the pressure and how, and it's just, it's just kind of like the the, yeah. the the same here i i at that point at that point was like okay i just i just i just need to start all over again at some point and then um but then again you also you're not 20 you know so no, it's like no. it was, it was and, quite and um, and the whole uh, uh yeah i think that was the moment uh, edm wasn't electronic dance music anymore it was like a genre no dude i so, yeah, yeah, I, I i remember uh, uh calvin harris calling me you know calling me a week before his first show in in pasha like it was, that was his yeah. first deep you know his first dj uh, show back in uh 2010 i guess it was and you had and a it, resident there yeah i was a resident at, yeah. at pasha on fridays yeah. and he would call me and go like okay i'm so excited we should do a record together and i was like <laughs> you know calvin that, harris calvin dude not now man i'm so busy <laughs> at the moment you know so, it, wow. so it's like no 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 the the the, the respect was was 100 yeah, yeah, uh, mutual yeah. but it was like i'm just trying to what i'm trying to po- point out is that uh from from david and everybody else who sort of like stormed through and became who they became they they they, they were they were they were obviously they took this whole thing to 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 a place where um i can i can bring it anymore like my juices and my energy were 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 just ended right there and then so and and it, and it in in a way it's a really if people ask me like hey you see martin garrix do you feel any sort of like you know not hate but do you feel yeah, like yeah. oh it could have been you or yeah, you yeah. should have done things different and i'm just like no i think i think when i look at martin garrix i'm like i'm really proud of what what he is because i know that parts of him uh, is built on a fundament that I've been a part of. Exactly. And that's something to be extremely proud of. Just just the fact that I, I've been able to be so close to something so relevant and that have, that has touched so many people is is an incredibly humbling experience. And oh, it's great. Uh, that's that's for the <laughs> listeners and it's more for, I don't know when you are listening or watching this, but uh, before we uh, started this podcast, we're here in your studio and yeah you you uh let me hear some of your new stuff yeah and that's uh, yeah it's 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 so refreshing and it's so the build up to what we are talking right now because it's still uh yeah it's still new and it's oh yeah people have to hear it but it's coming uh, yeah (laughs) when i'm talking to you now i'm like oh wow this is such a great story well maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm, and if it's not then it's uh, yeah if it's but, no yeah. it's, listen you, you, you have to you, you do what you have and that's that's the difference between like a salesman and a, a real artist I think right is if you have the real uh, yeah not, not only the passion it's like the need to yeah. do yeah what what you feel is is, is yeah the, the artistic no, ab- no yeah. 100% yeah. but but also a lot of people that 
don't uh, you know we have to understand that there's also people who 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 crash and burn in that uh and i'm fully aware yeah. of the fact that there's a there's there's people with that ambition who simply don't have the, the, the you know I, in the end of the day i obviously i've been fucking fortunate you know there's mm. a lot of things that i would have never no. held possible happen to me in, in in my life and uh but I've also, and this is, I can truly say, and I think I'm old enough and wise enough to, to say I've never taken it for granted. And I've always used that energy to yeah. keep on pushing, yeah. even if it was into a direction that maybe the world didn't want to go into. But for me, it was it was a really rite of, an amazing rite of passage and, and, and gave me all the tools that I have today to raise my children, to yeah. make music, to keep innovating and keep doing me, you know. But if you say it like this, I, I, I have to mention it. Besides his, uh, uh, of course, personal problems, and uh, every person is not a person. But if you say so, you can really um, understand what happens to a guy like Avicii. Absolutely not. I mean, dude, I knew him um, when he was working on levels. You know, he'd send me the demos back and forth. We would be on okay, iChat, yeah, like, okay. and and it's like I knew him for for a, 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 specifically in the first two years of his career when he broke through. Uh, I remember Ash and him come up, coming up to me and going like, dude, because we DJed together at some festival in Utrecht of all places. And I was in between Hardwell and Avicii. Okay. <laughs> wow. Like, that was a great two, time. No, it was just two kids. Like, yeah. who are these fucking yeah. kids? There's like 16. Yeah. This dude, 16. Yeah. Like Hardwell was like literally mm. 16. And he's like, I'm such a fan. And I'm like, you're amazing. You're like, and I'm like, dude, like, go do your thing. Anyway. And Avicii playing there, and um, I think he had just released. He hadn't released levels okay, yet. Okay, so you but kept contact a, with yeah, him. kept yeah. contact, and you know, went on tour and mm. uh, in Australia, and then we obviously uh, hung out on on a few occasions. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's 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 the same type of um, the same type of energy, you know, the same type of sort of I want to change things, you know, someone who stands on, uh, at a stage at Ultra in Miami. And God's like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be uh, doing a country and western uh, uh, vibe here that no one's p potentially gonna understand, right. and having a lot of people go, Boo, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, then yeah. just sticking to it, and then having that sort of become like Grammy award-winning, multi-million mm -hmm. um, uh, grossing uh, 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 career change is is obviously quite heavy for yeah. you know for shoulders to carry, and he. In the, in a scene that was maturing and in a scene that was sort of b becoming uh, grown up, yeah. he he was he was definitely a victim of the greed and of the machine that just wanted more and more out yeah. of out of its stars and out of its um, yeah. front runners. I mean, obviously, in the core of who he is, there was always that sort of exactly. seed That's and the, that insecurity, uh, yeah, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't blame the the, no. the system. No. No, you know, but but, but like but, you, you call it a machine, which I which I think is 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 a good thing. Yeah. And and well, you had it before, but it was like a new machine, and yeah. the machine was uh, during his time was it like was bigger, a, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. So, so yeah. it was all no, five times yeah. heavier. Yeah. But even I mean, looking at looking at listen, in the end of the day, this is black music. You know, this is black music out of the ghettos of Detroit, yeah, and Chicago, yeah, yeah. and New York. This is music that was made. It was the poor man's disco. You know, and let's not forget the the dozens of of ambitious young 
black folk who, who wanted to make a difference in, in music mm. that also didn't make it. You know, who are truly pioneers, who truly, yeah. you know, uh, you, just using like minimum resources and trying to make the best out of it. Because that's what house music is all about. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a counterculture of, uh, you know, the poor man's disco. It's making like, it in <laughs> the garage. Yeah, making uh, it in the garage. That's yeah, why it's yeah. called garage, yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about music. Um, uh, I ask you to, and and I know with any DJs, like uh, it's it's a random thing because five, yeah, which five you have to pick. And the funny thing is, you you sent me uh, the links, and I clicked on one, and I was like, no, I don't want to know it. So I know one. Okay, that's and that's cool. one the last one in the in the link list, and I was like, oh, that's funny because that's the name of this podcast. Uh, that's Kevin Phillips. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't even. Know. <laughs> that's super funny. Okay. I went through literally 25 Todd Terry records. Okay. Because I was like, okay, which one? Oh, this is so crazy. Okay, this is. Okay, sad. let's start that, with yeah, that one because the, the order. Sad coincidence. No, this, yeah, that's this, great. But it is a coincidence. It is yeah, a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's a random order, I guess. Or uh, yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. yeah. So let's yeah. start with uh, with uh, CLS. Can you feel it? I mean, Todd Terry, for instance, is somebody who took, he um, started in 86, 87, and he took, he was in the middle, in between the R&B and the house and the disco, disco and yeah. sort of like, he, he, was, he, was, he was right at the crossroads of all that. And in those crossroads, he made a few, I mean, records that are going to stand the test of time forever. Yeah. I met him in about five, six years ago. He went to a show of mine. No, actually, it's longer. It's about 10 years ago. I met, he went to a show of mine in Miami um, during the Winter Music Conference. And he hadn't been involved in the scene for a while, or at least he wasn't very okay. proactive or in the forefront. And he was in my booth all night, uh, just like grooving away and being very, very excited about what I did. And to me, this was just like, this was well, probably... I mean, there's a few moments when people were in my booth where I was like, okay, this is this is insane. P. Diddy, uh, I had Stevie Wonder in the booth once, which was absolutely wow. insane and ridiculous, uh, talking to me and sort of, it was, that was wild. But this one was also like, I can't believe that the one guy that I listened to back in 87 on the radio yeah. is now in my booth yeah. and grooving to, to what I'm mixing together. Kind of sort of made me very humble and sort of very... Um, so uh, the point is he's he's a yeah he's a legend and uh and I'm very happy that he's that he's doing well again and when I met him he wasn't in a really great place he, he uh I went to his house which is upstate New York it was a bit sort of a rundown thing it was kind of tragic and it was really really incredible to see him sort of be where he is today yeah and, yeah, yeah and he he took me around New York and we we went and went to his favorite uh restaurant and uh, yeah it was, it's just it's just wild but uh, yeah, he's 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 just a legend. Yeah, you know, he's just one th throughout the ranks and through all the the, the last four, thirty and, years. And you can know. you feel it? It's just well, that, that's one of his. Classics. Yeah, but it, yeah. and it, and it's also it was a big record in the yeah. Netherlands as well because yeah. it, it had this sort of ravey, stabby yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, yeah. vibe to it. Yeah, and because it, it was kind of sort of like ghetto electric, you know. Um, and it was kind of un it was like an uncompromised kind of sound. Absolutely. And this this record particularly was was quite yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And, uh, of course, when you made another track uh, with the title, Can You Feel It? Yeah. Was, was like this in your head, right? the, 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 the track with Gwen McRae? Because, I don't know, it, it's not 
it's okay. no i mean listen when when future house sort of broke through yeah um and when it became a sound i was very excited because i felt like okay this is going to be the moment where slowly the sort of really amplified edm thing is going to be brought back, back normal, into uh, into well normal, normal but at least yeah, well, br brought yeah. back into let's just say something that i enjoy yeah um and maybe me stepping into it was maybe weird for other people because i you know i did can you feel it and did a big remix for halsey and uh, madonna my remix for madonna oh yeah a couple a couple of years ago was in that sound as well and maybe yeah. people were like well why is he so involved but i enjoyed it because it was to me i wanted to sort of help uh create the the warmth again and sort of yeah, put i mean it sounds weird from a average white guy but bring the blackness i guess back yeah, into yeah, soul, dance yeah, music yeah, and the yeah. soul yeah and um if, you know very exciting uh sound and, and and very exciting to see young kids who had never heard of tartaria never heard of uh the roots yeah be kind of sort of be introduced again to to the sound okay, by so means of this yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe I should have waited a bit longer to make it. No, 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 no. But, but it was very exciting. Almost like yeah. teacher. High, uh, it, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I did. I did realize like stepping into it from where I came from. That moment, there was a lot of people kind of looking at me, going like, "Okay, well, who are you?" It's like twenty-one-year-old producers were like, oh, "Okay, but what?" I have never heard. Well, so what do you do? And I'm like, you know, uh, <laughs> like, oh, well, wow. I've been around for a bit and this and that and so. But that's cool though. That's a great company. And it's and it's also humbling. Yeah. Uh, to be able to 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 done, to to done that. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so that's what that was the first one I uh, I clicked on. And yeah. That one, uh, so what are the other four? Well, you would you would have to click. Oh, on I have to click. You yeah, I guess. Okay. No, no. I I mean, I can say well, Underworld with a uh, hmm, skyscraper. So let me think about that. That was the whole. Was that on the EP with Dark and Long, or was it? It was Dumb No Bass with, yeah, with yeah, My yeah, Head exactly. uh, yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Underworld were you know took uh this music and this culture this rave culture made it kind of intellectual kind of left-wing and brought it to the big pop alternative yeah. pop stages of yeah. the world and uh it was a really great i thought it was a really great and exciting um development of, of this music being morphed into yeah kind of like a more of an i mean i mean intellectual is a bit of a no, 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 maybe no, no, a no, weird no, word alternative, but uh, yeah it's yeah. an alternative intellectual yeah. way and yeah. and um and it was just very exciting that that music had such a such a powerful place as well um, on that on those stages. And why uh, that track? Because it's not like uh, well, because I got so high on that record. Oh, okay. Well, that's that, that's an answer. <laughs> I mean, I remember when, when I see Elvis. I was like, yeah, man. Okay, I see okay, Elvis. Okay. You know? Okay, great. No, it was it was just it's just that record. It's just yeah. It's just like the the. The energy is just, just, just wild in that record, man. Yeah. It's like, and it's just, it's just the drive and the, it's, it's, and then thirty thousand feet above the earth. Yeah. It's like, oh man, and then it's a beautiful, but it's just that's just ecstasy to me, and it just summed up everything yeah. of the '90s, like everything. It was just in that record. It was incredible. Yeah, still a great band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I clicked on uh, another link. So Square Pusher. Yeah. When so Square Pusher uh, Jenkinson is his name, right? Yeah. He. he um, I mean, he's obviously like the. Um, yeah. The the. 
just just one of those like truly gifted wildly talented incredible um but totally um crazy crazy uh, <laughs> no i don't think he's crazy i, no, I think he's no. just he's just he's just way forward into everything and and this record shows just how far ahead of everything else and everybody else he was he done the record he done an album called do you know square pressure and it's basically like nine tunes of him putting a needle on sandpaper and recording it and, and then that's like you know one of the but there was this one record which is the title of the album do you know square pressure yeah. which is just i can't even like listening to the record now it like totally it makes me like wildly emotional and it it's just yeah it's just so fresh And it's still fresh and it will be fresh forever. And this is like pre um, a lot of the sounds that he uses were so futuristic back then. They're still futuristic now, but there are a few mm. producers who are toying around with them. But it was only like 10 years later when people started to fuck around with the way that he used tone and the sort yeah. of I, 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 see a, I see a comment under this uh, because you sent me some YouTube links. Uh, yeah. There's a comment. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but I can... Uh, yeah, Skrillex listened to this stuff when he was younger. No, no, it's a hundred percent. Like it's this is this is a hundred percent. But then made with uh, with uh, equipment. Yeah, where coming to that type of intelligent programming just requires. I mean, I don't even want to know how many how many hours there were in that. Uh. It's the same as William William Orbit. I I was kind of thinking of using a William Orbit record. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, Ray of Light is, yeah. is a masterpiece oh, yeah. as well, and yeah. uh, but I just choose this to stay on on, on, if on you, subject. Yeah. Now, now, uh, now, uh, I really understand now why you made uh, the fruit. Okay. Because not not that uh, it's not a, not like a sound alike, but it's like well, uh, yeah, you can you you can still play them both. They are both futuristic tracks yeah yeah I no i mean so. yeah no in the end of the day like if if anything if i hope surely hope that something is gonna stand the test of time and if if you as an artist can be involved in something that 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 kind of lives forever or at yeah. least for a decent long time then that's the greatest accomplishment you know okay i click on a new one it's like a game but oh yeah uh, daft punk well, when yeah, home, I mean, we, we, we touched it. about it. Yeah, yeah we touched upon it. Like when homework came out, to me, that was also from a, a from what was possible in the scene and 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 just where the 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 limitations of of or the the, the lack of limitations yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was <laughs> exactly, was really yeah. shown by them because they took underground electronic um, yeah. um, instrumental music which I also should add was incredible. I mean, yeah. there was a few back then, but yeah. the, but there was not, obviously not a lot and of And played on the radio. And yeah. played yeah, on the yeah, radio. Yeah, it, was, exactly. it was, yeah, incredible. <laughs> Homework, obviously, yeah, just opened up a whole new uh, uh, way. And in a weird way, to be quite honest, it held like a kind of promise that maybe even only recently was fulfilled with with Duffling's recent success. Mm -hmm. I think the seeds of that or the possibilities that Homework sort of laid out 
were only put into fruition when yeah, when yeah. The, when they did the the weekend and yeah 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 and yeah, yeah. um and those big Pharrell the big Pharrell record and so then it's like already time for the last one I guess yeah and that's in sync so in sync it's the record's called Storm yeah and I believe that the whole I mean that record really. I think it's the baseline which is really funky. Basically, Storm in Sync is an underground record. It's like a techno record. Yeah. It has a funky baseline. Um, but the record was just, it's 92 or 91. And it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those late night jams that. Uh, that I just listened to over and over and over and, you and played over it again. As a DJ a lot. Or? Yeah, well, I played yeah. it as a DJ a bit, but it was, yeah. it's very obscure and yeah, it's like yeah, it yeah. doesn't really jar. Uh, I think it is some sort of classic. Uh, probably some big name is behind it. I'm not sure, uh, but it but just meant a lot to me because it was it was um, it was a funky bassline. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a dubby R and B esque sort of like mixture of of different things. I I I mean I love I mean I'm a big fan of bass lines. Mm -hmm. uh, if you listen to that bass line and uh, you listen to some of my later remixes or whatever, you would you would find that that type of sort of disc okay. bass, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. like is something that regularly comes back to me. And it was like one of the earlier sort of renditions of of that sound and truly enjoyed it and uh, but i could have i could have done something by mauricio basic channel yeah. or uh, just yeah, yeah, one yeah, of those yeah, berlin guys them, oh, dude yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I and yeah, to yeah. me like i had hours and hours and weeks and you know months of listening to to that vibe over yeah. and over again because it was it was so Bobby, like uh, yeah. yeah great okay um and uh, of course we talked a bit about your own productions about about the big uh, names the big titles uh what are any other for you, uh, yeah, tracks that you're really proud of, that that that, and 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 remixes. We we haven't talked about remixes, but first about your uh, own productions. I mean, I I, I think with production um, and DJing, it, it, there's always been this battle of of what I wanted to do as an. I mean, artist is a really big word, but what I wanted to do as a creator, yeah, uh, and and what it what it what it was required for me to do as a DJ or what my DJ career wanted for me. And those two were in a constant sort of friction. So, so I did, um, make a lot of, uh, remixes for uh, some big American, some uh, real big pop names. stars. Yeah. yeah. In a time when, um, remixes were, that, that was like a big scene. There was like, literally like a, in America, there was like, with like conferences around yeah, you know yeah, build yeah. around like the remix culture and uh being being a part of that and doing that was uh was incredible so around 2003 do, do, uh, let's let's uh, well i mean so, so, so justin yeah. timberlake wow uh, remixed uh, yeah. rock your body yeah. and remixed it to number one in the billboard yeah, i remember the remix was on one yeah number one in billboard yeah, yeah. i remember Pete tong telling me why are you remixing these american pop stars yeah like why are you taking your because it wasn't credible talent it wasn't credible no wow and I was like, because Pharrell Williams is a future superstar. I love uh, what uh, all these these young producers are doing with yeah. R&B. Uh, and I just love these records. Uh, and was it like, uh, and maybe that's uh, every time uh, in another way, but for example, like with Justin Timberlake, 
was it like okay here's the song here are the the several lines do your thing or was it no the A&Rs back then first of all you got paid pretty decent for doing remixes yeah. now it's like okay do a remix for it's, free it's, for free it's, it's good for your name yeah, yeah. Okay. and then it was like here's $25,000 okay, do that do that mix um, but do whatever you want no, 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 no. It was heavily A and R, specifically by the Americans. Okay, it would go back and forth. They go like, "I oh, change this, change that." It was yeah. like, yeah, there was some compromise oh, to wow. be made, and compromises were. I mean, there's a few mixes that didn't end up being released because it was, the compromise is too. It's just like, sorry, I can't. I, this is just too much. Specifically, uh, when a chorus, which is usually a, a chord change, has to be be sort of morphed into a club record, yeah. it can completely destroy. You know what? A, what yeah. the vibe? Yeah. You know, because it's like the repetitiveness of of, yeah. of the same key is what what is key. Yeah. <laughs> pardon the pardon <laughs> the pun. Um, so yeah, no. So so there there were definitely wow. some uh, some uh, some elements of friction, and yeah, A and R's would be would be heavily involved. So so yeah, Justin Timberlake, Eurythmics, Jenna Jackson. Yeah, Jenna uh, Jackson was also N-E-R-D, a big one. Yeah, N E R D, Madonna. I mean, the, the, it's been a Daft Punk. There's been yeah. a whole array of, of mixes. And with N E R D, was it be kind of because I can imagine then if you if there was like uh, somebody who has to say about it then, then it was Pharrell yeah Pharrell Pharrell yeah. would sign off on it yeah, yeah. yeah okay and I remember around that time 2003 I kind of sort of envisioned like hey you know we have to bring this you know the club culture into modern production like I, I believe I believed back then uh that Justin Timberlake and me should be in the studio and make a record and like do something fun yeah uh, that could live in a club but also be on a radio mm. and I remember talking to the A and R of Justin mm. at Jive uh, and go like, dude, but you know, Justin should do a Donna Summer type, yeah. feel, I feel love type of record. We should do like a nine minute version of something where he would just pop up after Scat five minutes bit, yeah. and do some yeah, really yeah, yeah. like yeah, you know, yeah. and he and he would just be like, dude, you're crazy. And I'm like, no. And he's like, no. Management will never. Da 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 will never. The you know. So it's like this always this uh, uh, uphill battle. And yeah, forward flash will I am and David Guetta, and then exactly. Jive was literally. I mean, I'm Doing not sure that, if it was yeah. Jive, but no, like yeah, yeah. it then it then happened. But we kind of all sensed, and I'm not for sure not the only one. We we all sensed like someone's gonna snap up some pop star and is gonna translate this into into a really great sort of you know new era of pop music. Yeah, it was exactly. it was on that sort of cusp of of it being observed by 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 pop culture uh, in a broader sense, and and. I mean, to see Calvin Harris become Quincy Jones is mm. incredible, yeah. to be honest. Uh, and and, and it's, it's gone maybe even further than I had envisioned around 2003. But at that point, I was like, oh, it would be so cool if Justin, yeah. you know, he worked with Pharrell and he yeah. worked with, uh, with yeah. Tim, Timberland. Why not do a really amazing club record? And I was even talking to him like, hey, you know, it should be like a white label. We shouldn't say anything about no, it and yeah, just release yeah, it. Yeah, and then, great. you know, everybody speculating about it would be a really great little buzz. Um, so, so that era was 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 exciting, and and working on on those mixes was, yeah, was was was, was it was extremely exciting. It was, it was a is good, there it was a, a remix you like most proud of? Not because of the big name, but just because of the fact you think, hey, that's I really made it a better song or or uh, another. Uh, no, I think the Justin Timberlake mix was yeah. pretty pretty dope because yeah. it's and it's still it's kind of fresh as I, as you hear it now, and and um, that baseline. Dance me. Although it was like obviously it was Pharrell's bassline, but but making it into 
into into the baseline that we morphed it into uh yeah it was it was was extremely was extremely yeah. fun and, and hearing I still it played on the uh, mostly i know american radio yeah they played uh, a lot when it was there i heard it like and it was like on a kind of a dance channel but yeah yeah like, no no for yeah. sure no absolutely yeah yeah Okay, and then the question, uh, Holland is a really small country. Yeah. Why do you think our, our dance music and our DJs are so successful all over the world? Because we are a um, we're, we're deep into the uh, origins of the Netherlands. We are a trading nation. Mm-hmm. We know how to speak a foreign language to, to make ends meet. Um, we don't have a really strong, powerful uh, youth culture ourselves. So we are influenced by the dominant youth cultures around us, which is Anglo-Saxon, France, and Germany. And we meet somewhere in the middle, and I think that middle is exactly where uh, where where it's found. And, That's and a we, great uh, answer, man. You really thought about this? Yeah. No, That's, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely, I have. And I think, and I think that's. Uh, that's 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 what why we are uh, who, yeah. we, who we are, and 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 also we we we're online. We invest in, uh, we used to invest or still invest in uh, in, in youth culture yeah. and, and support um, y- y- the youth, you know, youth. Yeah. Ra- well, ra- the radio that I mentioned. Yeah, the, the, the open a lot radio. of broadcast yeah. organizations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this has to do with, with accessibility, you know, or had to do with accessibility because that advantage is, yeah, is gone. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have uh, any goals you would like to achieve? In, in, in music yeah I mean in, in, in retrospect of like standing still and looking back I am mostly most of the time looking forward mm-hmm. um, always yeah. I, and I feel like I still have uh, a lot to do a lot to prove I kind of feel like everything that I that I said today um, is like a story with that still has a few chapters yeah and I'm working on materializing those into music and into into something that can be inspiring. A new chapter is coming. Can we already uh, mention the name or is it? Yeah, like no, I mean, I started, I wanted to say before and I didn't come to the point was that, you know, I started, because you, you asked me, are there a few highlights that you really enjoyed yeah. working on? And I did, an, an, uh, apart from the late 90s doing an album that didn't do really well, I also did an album uh, 10 years later that also didn't do really well. well although although one, one tune stood out which was a record i wrote with jamie Cullum. yeah and i remember it was you, a great album and it's, it was it was fun to work on but it, uh, it was also a lot not, of uh dutch but people from all over the world a lot of singers yeah and, uh, oh the great album well, well one of my favorites well thank you uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it did lack um it was a bit naive i mean because I, I did it on my own label um and we're in the middle of sort of like still pressing cds or not or yeah, are we going to yeah, go only yeah, online yeah, and whatever it was like yeah, kind of yeah. sort of lost in that whole sort of epic era, epic yeah. uh, war that 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 went on in, in 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 the record industry and being a small independent with an ambitious album like that and i mean i i really put all my money into 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 trying to make that happen but it was just it was just it, it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't, wasn't meant to be become you know the, the the thing that i hoped it to be although when i listened to Jamie, the Jamie Cullum record. Uh, I rem- remember when? When I listen to it now, I'm like, ah, oh, this is this is actually not bad. Remember when back then you and me and our friends? You know, no, and, not at all. And 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 so maybe it was again a bit too early. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if I listen to, uh, um, yeah. yeah, maybe. 
I mean, it could be. I mean, yeah. But the point is, um, what I wanted to say is like the, the battle between me as a DJ and me as a producer or as a writer has, has had become such a... I wanted to sort of bring it all together and be that one thing. And it's just like people just don't... They just don't, you know. You, you can't put that all put into. It, they want to put it in a box and like. If you is... want to sell something, you know, and you want to sell soap, don't try and sell, you know, pizza because it's yeah. like, you well, know it's like if, you're, if you're, you're selling like soap, yeah. you know, you're selling yeah. soap. Like no, I didn't ask for pizza. Like you are Sandra Klanenberg, and you are a DJ. You're da 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 da, and 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 you, I can battle that. And I can go like, well, but there's something really great and sort of like. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe I should just be like a lot of people, just take those ambitions apart, create different uh, names for 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 different yeah. for different elements and different directions. It's something I had never thought of, or I I'm not, I'm not so much of a strategist that I'm like, oh, you know, we got because you know, otherwise I wouldn't have called myself Sander Kleinenberg. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the amount of times I had to go E I N E N B E R G. Not the best arts. No, exactly. No. I, I should have called myself <laughs> Sander Klein, or you know, yeah. something, you know, yeah, 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 something, yeah, yeah. or Sander Burke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last question: uh, How do you want to be remembered? Uh, he tried really hard. <laughs> we didn't understand him, but he, he sure as hell tried. No, I don't know. I, gee, uh, that's such a powerful question. Uh, how do I want to be remembered? Um, I mean, positive? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I want to, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can say a lot of things, but well, uh, everybody has, has heard the whole story of you, and and it, it uh, luckily enough, it it there is no end, not yet. No, not yet. No. So the, I think people will say, "Oh man, he did a lot of great things, and uh, he made pizza and soap, and that's great." <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah, you're uh, for your time. You're yeah. welcome. Sander Kleinenberg, uh, more episode of uh, Can You Feel It coming up. Share this podcast among your friends. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Twitter is G-I-E-L-S. Oh, man. Oh, it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Ah. Thank you so much, Sander Kleinenberg, for your time. What a great guy. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, share it among your friends if they like house music. And uh, if you maybe have some idea who will sponsor us, because, uh, well, we had this uh, great KRK sponsor, but for the new series, I'm looking for a new sponsor. Feel free to contact me. Uh, Twitter is G-I-E-L-S. Or you can send me a message if you have the YouTube channel or the Facebook or the SoundCloud. You will find my uh, email. Thank you so much. And next week, next episode, oh man, a lot of requests about this thing in Holland called uh, Haber music, yeah, the, like a hardcore, hardstyle kind of music. And uh, well, one of the founding fathers of that particular music is Paul Elstak. Next episode, check it out. <laughs>